0: You are now listening to the Purpose
1: Edits Podcast. You've got to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweet to be
0: successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game, and with it, and get through it.
1: Welcome to the Purpose Edits Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose, two, walk in your purpose, and three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined, as always, by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. What up, what up, what up? Man, it's a good day. What's up, Shane? Sounded like ET there, bro. I did. My bad. (laughs) I wasn't trying to.
0: People but no, that. that's fine because the, the the dope thing about it is um you know you really have impact when you influence people so like there's a lot of people that are in like the motivation space or in just the public speaking space where you hear that what up what up what up what up and i'm like "huh, that's et dope i just it just caught my attention so i mentioned it that's all
1: no problem. No problem. I appreciate that. The acknowledgement. I won't do it again. I don't want to be ET. I want to be V I C. understand. You know what I
2: mean?
1: I understand. I'll come up with something else. Don't worry about it, fans. Y'all let me know what what my intro. I'm going to try something new every episode for the next five episodes. <laughs> I understand. How you been, homie? Man, making
0: it, bro. Making it? Yeah, just it's been a... Uh, it's been a... Uh, it's been a week. Um, we lost our yeah. uh, uh, one of my coworkers. He was his coach. Uh, passed away mm. on I want to say Wednesday.
1: Sorry stage to hear four, that, man.
0: Stage four cancer, man. Um, Forty three years old, bro. Man. So it's That's um, our age. Yeah. So it's just it's 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 unreal. And um, you know, what what's so super odd is I keep bumping into things around my house. That I either borrowed from him and didn't return, or that I was supposed to be trying to figure out and work on because we're like nerd tech tech nerds. And um, it was just yeah. it doesn't make any sense, bro. So yeah. just, you know, I encourage everybody to, your loved ones, even your enemies, somebody you're at mad at, life is way too short to be um to hold grudges and be mad about something, man.
1: Yeah, man. You gotta let it go. You gotta live as we say, live life on purpose here on the show. Yeah. Our condolences to the family. Mm. Um, deepest sympathies. Uh, what I want to do is I want to bring in our guests. Uh, mm. we got a special guest who was introduced to us fr- by our sister, Nelsia. She uh she met this gentleman and said, Hey. I really think you all need to meet him. I really think you all need to have him on the show. And just off the strength of her word, man, we brought him on. And it's been amazing so far just to learn about him and what he's done. So for our audience, we are talking with a member of law enforcement. And just so you know who he is, a little bit about his background. He got into law enforcement when he was the age of 14. And I'll let him dive into that, explain his journey. but nonetheless, he is currently serving as a commanding officer of a major South Florida Department police department, excuse me, and he currently has just released his first book called "Police Fragility." Folks, I want to want you to welcome Mr. Joe as we affectionately know him, Joe DeAndre. What's up,
2: Joe? <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for having me guys.
1: Yeah, man. Listen, the nickname, I got to give the backstory. So I'm talking with Nelsia and she calls me. She's got Joe next to her and she goes, I want to uh, introduce you to Joe. I call him Joe DeAndre because he's so cool. He's one of us. I say, OK, <laughs> so from now on, he's Joe DeAndre. That is not his real middle name. He actually you don't have a middle name, right? No, I do not. But apparently, so I she do gave not. Him, Yeah, she gave him DeAndre as a middle name. Welcome
2: to the show, my man. I appreciate both of you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, man. How you doing today? Doing great. Everything's doing good down here in South Florida. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're starting to get into that summer weather. Uh, So it's starting to be like today was a beautiful day. We had a light breeze in the air, right? So it was one of those days that just makes you appreciate living in Florida. Right.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Now, Joe, I want you to jump in on this next segment. We always go down this lane. It's called What Blew Your Mind, where Shane shares with us something that has blown his mind this week. So, Shane, take it away. What blew your mind?
0: Um, two things, and it kind of they'll both kind of lead into the conversation. Um, just a second ago, about maybe an hour ago, me and my boy we went out to the store, uh, BJ Turner's. Where the last time I went to the store and I talked about it on this podcast, um, I I felt as though I was being profiled. Well, today I go back to the same store and as I'm coming out the store. Well, when I'm walking in the store, I see a man right sitting on a bench and obviously something's up. I don't know whether he's homeless, whether he's has a mental illness, something's up. I've seen the guy before. Um, I've been close enough to smell him. So I know what he, I mean, you know, so I see the guy before. So he's sitting. Mm -hmm. So we go in the store, do what we have to do, come back out. And as we're coming back out, um, he falls to the floor. Mm. Like he started walking and he like slipped and fell. So I have my four-year-old son and I'm just looking at him. And in my mind, I'm just looking, I'm just looking. And I don't say anything. I'm just in my brain running through... Scenarios, You know, I'm like, all right. So cars stop. And then this woman comes out and starts to help him up. But she couldn't help him. So I go over and I go, boom, help him up. And when I went to my car, I was like, I felt like such a piece of crap. Because my first instinct wasn't to help. Mm. Wasn't to go over. And, you know, my first thought was, well, if I go over there, I got my son. He do something weird. I don't have to whoop his ass. And I got a four-year-old boy with me. So I'm thinking hands and feet, but it's just like the climate we're in and just how we've become as a society is just it's disheartening that our first nature, our first thought, at least I can't talk for everybody else. Me. My first reaction wasn't go help this man. My first reaction was suspicion, you know, Um, the other part of the story was. when I got the book, Joe, I got your book. I opened it up and I looked at the cover and I seen a a black male. So Mm -hmm. me being me just, oh man, we're going to be talking to a brother. Dope. So I'm looking at it and then you were in the chat first and I pop up and I was like, who the hell is that? (laughs) 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 But now the conversation is so, it, it, it takes a different turn. Um, and I just wish life wasn't like that. Like, imagine if we just lived in a place, like, my shirt, it reads Black Excellence. And I put it mm-hmm. on, and I'm like, oh, damn, hope this doesn't offend anybody. I don't, I don't care. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, I wish we didn't live in a space and in a place like that. You know what I'm saying? I I'm like, it can, just, yeah, I think we can
2: get there eventually.
0: I really uh-huh. do. Well, you have to tell me, brother, because, um, you know, um, and in that, you're not a brother, but you're my brother, man. We're human. I appreciate that. You're mine too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you know, Absolutely. you may not be a brother, but you're my brother. And and um I'm honored to have you here. And I'm honored to speak with you about your book. I'm honored you, guys,
2: you guys brought me on, truly. Yeah,
0: but it's just, you know, I just wish we just didn't live in that type of place, man, where it was just this um where it's just constant guard. You know what I mean? Where you just have to right. watch yourself, you know. So what do yeah. you think?
1: You know, you're not alone. First off, Um, in in this day and age, we are all more on guard. I just moved into a rental. I'm in a new neighborhood and I'm on guard left and right. Example, we were bringing over the rest of our furniture uh, that we left in the house today. And so we brought in a dresser right by the front door. We got the door open because we keep coming in and out of it. I brought in a small TV, sat it on top of the dresser, coming in and out maybe two more times and something dawns on me. Somebody could just run in here, snatch that TV and get going. I don't know this neighborhood. I went and grabbed the TV, moved it further into the house, right? We're always on guard in this day and age because we've seen society shift to be more self-serving and less of a selfless society. You know, we have to protect ourselves because people have done some extremely shady stuff to benefit themselves, whether it be, you know, something as uh, blatant as, you know, a uh, smash and grab, whether it be pretending to fall only to get you close and take advantage of you, or mm-hmm. it's something more subtle, something a little bit more sinister. And that's unfortunate that that's the way we've, we've gone, but the question is, can we change? And, and Joe, you said you think absolutely. that we can.
2: Absolutely. I've Why do you believe absolutely. that way? I honestly think that there's a lot of things that that take a, that causes this type of this type of mindset. You know, I think social media plays a, a huge role in that. It Social media allows us to alienate ourselves with people whom we think alike. Who have the same uh, views, political views, and and this is one of the reasons why I actually I don't have any social media. It's I've noticed when I first noticed that the the transitioning happening, you know, when when a lot of the uh, issues with law enforcement came to light in in the most recent years, there started to be a political push within people's inner circles, and they started unfriending each other and becoming friends with only people who thought like them. Which mm. is what's killing us as a country, because if we if we only hang around the people whom we have the same thoughts and the same cultures and the same beliefs as, we're not going to grow as a society. We're it becomes an echo chamber. Wow,
1: wow, that's that's deep. And and you know, on one hand, I agree with you, right? We it's important to diversify, right? If you are investing in a portfolio, they tell you to diversify. At the same time, they say your circle, you are the sum of the five closest people you hang out to hang out with. So if you're looking to elevate your life and you're looking to be prosperous financially, spiritually, uh, 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 health wise, then you hang around people of like mindedness. So is it a <laughs> is it a catch 22? Right. It's almost a double edged sword. I what you're saying. Absolutely. You know. Mm-hmm. So which which is it? Do you. Do you diversify or do
2: you hang around like-minded people? Or is it more about the motive? I think you hit it right in the head there. I think it's more on the motive or what, what your intent, what are you trying to achieve? What are your passions are? What are you pushing to get out of life? You know what I mean? You know, I I was raised uh, with, you know, my my mother, my mother, mother, father raised me, but my mother always pushed for me when it comes to meeting different people from different cultures it, it was always to embrace them and get to know the differences and understand their cultures. And it was a beautiful thing. And that's, I think we're missing that. I think we're missing to get to know and understand each other. You know, Correct. everybody's equally important. You know, I, I always talk about it, but like, even a restaurant, you go into a restaurant, you compare a chef to the guy who cleans the restroom, right? If you go there and have a phenomenal meal, you go to use the restroom, it's a mess. You're not going go to that, not gonna go back to that restaurant. You're not going to go back to that restaurant. They're equally important. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct.
1: You touched on passion. You touched on upbringing. I think it's important that our guests, or excuse me, our audience gets a chance to get to know you. There were a couple of things you shared, like who your hero was. I would love for you to share a little bit about that. You uh, also talked about your mom and the inspiration she had on your career. And I love the fact that you're like me. You're a middle child of three. So we're going to dive into a little bit of all of that and what it's like. Uh, Tell the people about you, your hero, your inspiration, and how you got into your career.
2: Well, growing up, uh, my father was a police officer. He did a full career there and you know, he's been a cop obviously way before I was born so uh, that's all I ever remembered from him. You know, I remember getting home from, from school and he was already asleep because he had to work the midnight tour and um, and I would stay up as late as I can just to just to be able to see him before he went off to work and you know, and I knew where he was headed. I knew what he was doing and, and I'd always meet him in the hallway before he'd, he'd get off to work and Certain things like that, like I know in, in my book, uh, Police Fragility, to talk about his his aroma that he would have the Drakkar Noir on and stuff like that. So there's certain things that remind me of my childhood, you know, and and I knew that he was going out, you know, to be he was going to be a police, a police officer. he was a police officer, he's out in the streets protecting and serving, and uh, it was very inspiring. And I don't think it kind of paved my future from that point on, what direction I was headed.
1: At That's very big impact on Now. You got into law enforcement at the age of 14?
2: Correct. Yeah, I became a Pines Police Explorer at 14. And I never really hung up the uniform since. I went from there to being a police service aide. I then became a police officer. And through that, I just climbed the ranks eventually to where I am today.
1: You know, a lot of people have a childhood dream. But it's my belief that few of us get to actually live those out as an adult. What is that like to have fulfilled a childhood dream doing something that most people don't?
2: It's it's funny uh, that you, you say it like that, because it's something that I, it was never really something that I felt like I wasn't going to be able to achieve. You know, I knew what I wanted and I felt like nothing was going to get in my way to get there no matter what. And I've had. I've had issues where I've I've had hiccups and I've had road bumps just like everybody else has, you know, but, but when it's something you want bad enough, nothing will get in your way. And I just kept pushing, kept pushing, doing the right thing. And it comes back, comes back, you know, back to, to the top. It is what it is, you know? And yeah, I just kept pushing.
1: You know, that's the whole premise behind the show purpose addicts. You become so addicted to pursuing your purpose that not seeing it achieved is not an option. The only option is to grow and to go after what what you want. So it's so so fitting to hear that to you, it wasn't a dream. It was the only option. You were addicted to your purpose. And for a lot of our guests, you know, their passions are what drive them to achieve success. So for you, uh, I asked you this question when we were preparing for today's episode. So I'll ask you again on there because I thought your answer was so dope. What are you most
2: passionate about? I'm most passionate about being a change agent, not just for my agency, but for law enforcement as an entire community. I feel like that I can make a difference, and I'm not going to stop until I do. There's a lot that needs to be done. And I think as I continue to talk to people and, and great folks like you give me the opportunity to talk and, and people get my book and or people just want to have a conversation with me and we can talk and, and see where our issues are, and get the buy-in from people and people just buying into the idea that this can work we can make this work there's a way of doing it there's and until that happens i'm not going to stop
1: mm. go ahead
2: so you um
0: you mentioned the book and that's the uh the a good jump off point police fragility and I, I looked up we know the meaning of fragility but I looked up the meaning just because, just the quality of being easily broken or damaged. So if you could explain to me the motive behind the book, the title, and then I'll double back with you said um, that you want to be a change agent. I'm interested to know what that change looks like. But first, the title. What, what, what inspired
2: the title and the book in and of itself? Well, the inspiration that I have for it was the state that my profession is in right now. You know, and we really are in a vulnerable state. And this could go in, in, in two directions. You know, we could we could continue the same path that we've been going down for over a hundred years. You know, this is this is a cycle. It's a cycle that we go through it and then people get tired of fighting the system and it falls back to the way that it was, and nothing changes. And then there's a way that we can promote change and move forward and go through it. And that was the inspiration behind my book, is is projecting the truth, the projecting, the the notions of of having that uncomfortable conversation, you know, and this is this is something that we're sitting here doing now. I can't wait to be able to do with a room full of poli- young police officers that never hear anything of a sort of what I'm what I'm willing to tell them and what they're willing to see inside of a book that they haven't been taught in the academy.
0: Okay, without giving away the book, I guess what is the truth?
2: So and, and the way it, it's funny you say it like that, because obviously you, you hear my extensive training and everything I've been through in my life in law enforcement. It, it's kind of been painted that every time they refer to our history as uh, American policing system, it refers to it goes back to the modern policing of the 1900s. Right. Uh, Sir Robert Peel's uh, Bobby's over in, in, uh, in England. So that, that's kind of where they start. And from that moment, they start going forward with the law enforcement history. Well, that's the history we're proud of, right? That's the history that it looks like, oh, okay, we have our act together. But for some reason, whether it's police academies or advanced training academies, advanced leadership academies, or even national academies, it, we seem to not talk about the 17 to 1800s, right, leading up to the 1900s, which is what is causing the distrust to begin with. We keep mm. talking about we have to rebuild trust with the communities. We don't have we never had trust in some of these communities. We never earned it to begin with. How can we build something we never had?
1: It, it, it certainly isn't in our community. You know, Shane and I, we have instances together where law enforcement unfairly uh, mistreated us as teenagers as teenagers. And so I know that that, that carries with me today. And I try so hard not to feel some type of way when talking with law enforcement, because I got family members who are law enforcement, but I know them. I know my family member. I don't know this random person, this servant, you know, of, of the law. I don't know them. And so again, back to my guard is up. Like I can't get over that. I don't know that I ever will be able to get over it.
2: Right. No, and that's, and, and you know what, that's understood. And I, if I said that, you know, that's something you will be able to shake and move forward with your life, that, that, that's a lie. That's very hard for you to shake. That's a personal experience that you went through that, that you're, gonna get, you're gonna live with, you know? And, and I think you just mentioned something that is it, kind of exactly what I'm talking about. You know, we have we have folks living today that were alive during the Jim Crow era, that were alive during segregation, so they went through what they went through, being mistreated by law enforcement. And who do you think they talk to about that? Their family, right? So they're, they're telling their grandkids, you know, be careful with, with law enforcement because of X, Y, Z. But then these officers, young guys come out of the academy, never even being told about any of this, which ultimately is one of the key factors of, of fixing this entire thing, and that's instilling empathy in these people. These officers have got to have more empathy when dealing with folks. You have to understand people's history. You have to understand where people come from. And then once you have empathy locked and, and we, and then your understanding and things seem to simmer down, I think, I think with transparency and accountability, we could have this, have this back on track the way that it should be going.
0: That sounds like why we should be, which we're not, it's just a stupid argument, but why, if it was happening, critical race theory is an important aspect of a child's education. Am I wrong? Because it's just uncovering the history and how racism influences just about every part of our society. You're not, in a sense, shunning, which is going to lead me to my next question. You're not shunning. But if you don't if you don't teach people their history, they're destined to repeat it. Am I right? 100 mm-hmm. percent. I agree with that 100
2: anyway, percent.
0: So, I, you know, and that leads me to this level, because when you say police for children, fragility it, it in my brain also aligns with white fragility why do you think that fragility or that sense of broken or damage exists from the other side like as an, an officer that is within the system why do you think it exists
2: because in, in my mindset I see where we should be and what mm. we should stand for and as of right now that that it feels broken and it, it feels like once mm. we have our core fixed, then we'll be okay. Once we we we're, once we understand, once we comprehend the real issues that's causing these things, then the system will be on track. It's easy to say, I mean, you hear it all the time about how blues sticks together and, and you know, yeah. law enforcement officers are, are this huge family, which of course we are. You know, we yeah. we've got a very dangerous job and, and And you should be. You know? Correct. Absolutely. There, there's a lot of and the majority of officers out there are phenomenal people who give their life for anybody, you know? And, but looking at it in hindsight, it's not their fault. This has been something that's been set in, in motion way before their, their time, but they're here now. And now they're wearing the badge. Now they have to stand and they have to make the change. They have to have these uncomfortable conversations. They have to listen and understand what their communities have been through. And then they'll be able to, move in the right direction. If the, the not knowing and not having these conversations is only going to continue continue to, to go down the page yeah. what's happening to our, our American policing system. The trust is going to continue to diminish and it's going to get worse and worse.
1: You've touched on a couple of different things that could lead to possible solutions. You've also hit on a couple of things that you think are perpetuating the problem. As far as possible solutions, you've said empathy, transparency, I believe uh, communication, open dialogue, these are solutions that you propose will will lead to a better tomorrow for all of us. But then on the problem side, you've kind of touched on some other things too. You're on the inside. You alluded to at the academy. And we've had this conversation, Shane and I, but what is being taught at the academy that has that is perpetuating the culture that we see out in the
2: world. Honestly, it's been a long time since they've been at the academy. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> okay. But, but, what I, but what I will say, I, I don't think it's what's what's being taught at the academy. I think it's what's not being taught at the academy. I think that we need to touch on a deeper history of law enforcement because you can't. If, if you get here's a great example. If you have a young man or a young woman that goes into law enforcement. Right. And they're taught that law enforcement started in the 1900s right off the bat, following England's blueprints. And that's where we established and that's where we start. And yes, we have these issues moving forward, but we don't talk about anything before that. Then mm. when they, they, they get caught up in our stars and stripes. Right. And then they come out of the academy. They hit that they hit the road. And the first time they meet somebody who has a different view in law enforcement than they do because of different experiences that they're unaware of, they don't show empathy for that. They Mm. take that as this person just don't like law enforcement. And they meet that with the same force, if you will, you know, with the same combative attitude that they receive from something that's much more serious that they don't understand instead of being empathetic and talking to people, as we've seen in multiple videos in this country, it goes the opposite direction. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah. I would imagine
1: your law enforcement comrades are not all in favor of the book, the title, the subject, which brings the question, why you? Why you? Why now?
2: That's a great question. And I, I think if, if people like me who think like me just continue to sit back and say and do nothing, it's never going to change. It never will. So you got to stand for something in life, Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My people, a little bit of a format change. We are doing this episode Police Fragility, but we're gonna break it up into two episodes. So um this is gonna be part one of this week's podcast, and we'll pick up with part two next week. Um to give the uh episode a little bit of familiarness, I'ma jump on and give you a quick quote of the day which will align great with this series of episodes. The quote of the day is, you want change, be the change. You have to be the change you want to see. If you truly want to be, if you truly want to see the change, you have to be the change. All right, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Police Fragility. Peace. And I think a lot of times, everybody's not going to understand your vision, your walk, your purpose, your desires, your dreams, your goals. And they don't have to because I'm going to tell you a secret. Everybody ready? It's yours. It don't belong to them.
1: It ain't, it ain't, it ain't they teeth to brush. Ain't they armpits to put deodorant on. It's yours. This message is for anyone who is not answering the calling on their life. I want you to take note of something. That one thing, that one talent, that one gift you have, that idea that could give birth to a solution that possibly brings harmony to the world will never get the chance to breathe life if you continue to let fear kidnap you from your future. That's right, I said, if you continue to let fear kidnap you from your future. Too many times we settle for good things when we can have God things and purpose is a God given gift not everybody fulfills their purpose not everybody discovers it not everybody walks in it. but if you're willing to give up the good things to get to the God things well baby I promise you purpose that's for you
0: failure is a part of success I heard that somewhere I didn't mean that failure is a part of success yeah, I you know I'm saying that. you could try ten times, and you may not get it to your ninth. But what if that ninth try or that tenth try is the one that gets you that million? Instead of looking at what we have on the inside and utilizing our tools, we always look in other places and try to pull here, pull from there. When most of the time it's right here inside. There are no problems. There's only solutions. Let's just
1: be in a habit of fixing things or finding a way out. My favorite quote that I learned is that fear does not stop death. It stops life. It stops us from living. And I need you. We all need you to live.
2: Will you do it?